welcome to Big We Gotta See This. I'm Liv. And I'm Kurt. And we're... Babe, you gotta see this. (laughs) No, we already did this bit last time. We are tired, though. Why are you tired, Kurt? Um, I barely slept last night. I just couldn't fall asleep, and then I ended up watching all of HBO's Chernobyl miniseries. When you said HBO, I definitely, my brain definitely thought you meant HGTV, and I was like, oh, what were you watching? (laughs) No, I, I, um couldn't sleep and i had been you know recently interested in chernobyl and like what happened there for some reason that's just what what my brain hyper fixated on so i decided to watch like start a seven day free trial of hbo and watch the miniseries and it was really good really sad and kind of disturbing but really good oh i have access to hbo i could have given it to you I did not know that. I do know that now. Yeah. Shout out to Zach, who asked HBO Max and gave me the login. <laughs> I don't want to steal Zach's HBO. Why? He told me we could. Okay. Well, then I might cancel. I buy him a drink every now and then. I'll uh, probably I mean, you're... cancel my subscription then, so at the end of the seven days I don't get charged, because I was going to start watching Westworld. Yeah. Well, thanks, yeah, Zach. I mean, I can, I'm sure. <laughs> Watch me get a text from Zach later after he hears this. That's like, stop giving out my HBO. <laughs> Zach and I are in a minor tiff because he didn't think that my picture of Geralt of Rivia holding a basketball was funny without the context. I think it was humorous without the context. I I just think it's a good editing. Period. No, but I'm tired because of children, but yeah. we've been new. We, we, we've been new. Yeah, it was kind of funny this morning. We had a special surprise for them. Normally, we don't get to play on a playground because the playground is for the first graders, but both the, both the first grade classes are in quarantine right now because the teachers um, were exposed to COVID. So this morning we told them that we would take them to the playground instead of just the big open field. And you would have literally thought that we told them that we were giving them each a million dollars. The pure screams of joy (sighs) were very, very rewarding, but also I'm exhausted. Children do seem to have that effect. Yeah, they're great. I truly love spending time with them. But I also really love the end of the day when I get to go home. (laughs) I feel that. And segue Mm -hmm. time, there are children in the show we watched this week. Yes. Kurt was your pick. It was my pick. Um, And I chose Over the Garden Wall, uh, Mm -hmm. which was a uh, Cartoon Network miniseries. And it's great. I love it. It's phenomenal. And we're going to talk about it. Spoiler warning. Yeah, no, um, I'm going to demand that uh, if you haven't watched the show, turn off this podcast and go watch it. And it wasn't even Olivia's before pick. You... So yeah, what does that say about it? Well, no, I, I meant more before you listen to this. I mean, you should watch it, period. But <laughs> because, I don't know, I it's very, <laughs> the journey is very rewarding. Yeah. And it's a mini series, so you can watch literally the whole thing in under two hours. Yeah, it's about two hours long, a little bit less than two hours. Please go watch it, come back, finish the episode. Uh, Thank you. Um, You want a summary? I would love the summary. Hit me with it. This one is a long one. Oh, a change of pace. Buckle in. Buckle in. (laughs) (laughs) On an adventure's brothers Wirt and Greg, yes, Wirt, W-I-R-T, and Greg get lost in the unknown A strange forest adrift in time. A wise old woodsman and bluebird Beatrice help them find their way. Along the way, Wirt's thoughts envelop him, while the wonder of the surroundings preoccupied Greg. 
The miniseries, based on creator Patrick McHale's cartoon short Tomb of the Unknown, or Tome of the Unknown, sorry, features animation that evokes a nostalgic storybook feeling inspired by folk art and classic illustrations. The voices include Elijah Wood and Christopher Lloyd, with Samuel Ramey, Chris Isaac, and John Cleese among guests. And it was released for the first episode on November 3rd, 2014, and the last episode aired on November 7th, 2014. It is, yeah, it's like a fall-based miniseries. It really, it, it encapsulates fall vibes so well, better than any other media I've ever seen. It's really good. How did how did you get into it? Uh, you told me to watch it. That's a pretty short getting into it. That's literally <laughs> it. Do you have any That's... preconceived notions about it going in? Yeah, I mean, the vibe in general, I mean, we've kind of been over this. It's not, I don't like fall. It gets dark and cold, and I don't like those things. I think the only thing Olivia hates more than fall is winter. Correct. (laughs) And so, I don't know, and it's kind of creepy. A little bit. Like It has its moments. Yeah. So, I was not super excited. That's why Kurt told me to watch it a while ago, and I never did. What about I, you, Kurt? I got into it through my friend Jack Adlewski, who you will remember from those of you who have listened to the Blade Runner episode of our podcast. He introduced me to the show, because uh, he's been obsessed with it. And if I'm correct, he watches it every fall, and has gotten me on that tradition. We watched it I want to say two, maybe three years ago at college. Um, and ever since I've been hooked, I listen to the soundtrack all the time. I'll watch it once a year around fall time, at least. Yeah, there's there's just like a lot of cool stuff about it. And I, you know, all that thanks to Jack. So thank you, Jack, for introducing me to one of my favorite shows. <laughs> you did good, Jack. Yeah, and if you know Jack, the show is like right up his alley, too. Like, it's not surprising that he likes it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that perfect mix of quirk um, and weirdness, and surrealness. And it's just a, a good narrative, and it has an interesting plot. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the characters, because I feel like that's easier than trying to explain what the show is about. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, for those of you listening... It's going to it, it is a very difficult show to explain because there's so much just strange bullshit that happens in every episode. Mm-hmm. You really just gotta watch it and then you'll get what I'm talking about. It starts off very non uh connected, very unconnected until about episode six when things start to kind of come together. Yeah, so. It's weird. Uh, so characters. I, I put four characters that are kind of reoccurring, not counting the frog. Uh, I'm going to talk about the frog at some point anyways. Well, the frog doesn't have a name, so, which is why I didn't put him in the characters. The frog yeah. has many names. So what, what uh, characters did you pick? Because I, I think of five I would talk about off the top oh, of my head. Is the frog one of them? No. Is it Anti Whispers because you love her? No, but I will talk about Anti Whispers as well because that's my favorite character in the show. Okay, I can think of five. I I think I know what your fifth one is. Okay, so my my first one is Wirt. Yes. Who is? He's one of the protagonists of the show. Yes, he's one of the brothers. I was doing some research for this episode and I found a whole huge long article about how Wirt is romanticism and. Greg is British modernism. Interesting. Which is above my head. I'll send it to you, Kurt. But Word I'd be is, very interested to read that. Word is a Word is a he's a teenager, right? Yeah. He's, he's like a in new high teenager. School. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's never specified is... exactly how old he is, but he's probably, you know, like thirteen, fourteen, maybe fifteen. Yeah. And he wears a a navy coat and a pointy red hat. It's not even a coat. It's a cape. Yeah, it's a cape. I'm sorry. <laughs> My apologies. Yeah, he wears he wears a big pointy red hat and 
a navy cape. Mm-hmm. So he kind of just looks like a, I don't know, a like a triangle. Home. Yeah, a little bit. What do you want to say about Wart, Kurt? Um, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wart is like a, a love-struck teenager. He has a crush on this girl, and he doesn't know how to handle it. And he's constantly brooding. Um, he's a huge dork. Like, he's he's in band. He plays a clarinet, and he reads poetry to himself at night. Like, he's just a, a big dork. And he's constantly just getting wrapped up in his own emotions. And just never seems to be able to let things go. Yeah. And then Wart's younger brother is Greg. Greg is also... I. I I take it back. I love Anti Whispers, but Greg is probably my favorite character in the show. Um, Greg is incredible. Greg is Wirt's stepbrother, younger stepbrother, half brother, half brother. Yes. Yeah, they're half brothers. Yeah, stepbrother isn't the right term. Correct. That's why I said half. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So Greg is is Wirt's half brother and. Mm-hmm. This leads to a little bit of conflict because Wirt is upset with his mother marrying Gregory's father and then subsequently having Greg. And it's never explained what happens to Wirt's father, but there's a clear dislike for Greg and his father just right out the bat. Like he, mm-hmm. Wirt is always blaming things on Greg and always like, you know, ever since you and your dad showed up, like... Like, everything's been messed up. Like, stuff like that. Which is, you know, classic angsty teenager. Which is also wild, because, I mean, Greg is little, but he's not, like, little, little. I'd say he's probably, like, eight. Yeah. So it's like, this is, let me see if I can find it. How old is he? Exact age unknown. He's just said it to be a young boy. So it's like, he clearly has had... Greg has clearly been around for a little for a couple years. Wart's had some time to get over this. Yeah, and he hasn't. It, no. And, and the funniest thing about it to me is that Greg is like the sweetest little kid, just ever. You know, he's rec- he's recklessly optimistic, just an absolute sweetheart, constantly making jokes and singing, and trying to make light of every situation. It's it's almost like. I don't know if this, because I, I don't know enough about, I don't know a ton about theater, but to me, um, Greg and Wart are like the happy mask and sad mask. Yeah, kind of. I hope that's a correct analogy. <laughs> Comedy and tragedy are what those are. Yes. Wirt is basically seeing the negative in, in everything. He's and a finding, moody teenager. He's, yeah, he's finding a way to make everything miserable. Whereas Greg is finding a way to make everything fun because he wants to have fun. Yeah. And like the description says, Greg is just, you know, enamored with everything kind of kooky going on around him. So he Mm -hmm. gets sucked into it. Yeah. Kurt is a Greg. Which is funny because I have depression. (laughs) Yeah. Your depression is a word, but you yourself are a Greg. Oh, that's good to know. And I... Emma Beatrice, our next character. <laughs> yeah. Beatrice uh, is a bird. You want to talk about Beatrice since since you seem to like her a lot? She's so funny. I she's a bird who they run into. It's pretty funny. They run into her in the first episode, right? It's the first episode. Mm-hmm. And she's the first character they meet. Mm-hmm. And they are immediately like, oh, talking bird. And Wirt's like, absolutely not. We are not messing around with this. And so she ends up coming back. She gets stuck in a bush and Greg saves her from a bush. And so she's like, I'm in debt to you. I'm going to help you get home. And so she ends up tagging along with them to go find um, Adeline, the good lady of the pasture. Adelaide, Adelaide, the good good lady lady of the pasture. pasture. And it's funny because she is like... Like we like we said, we have Wirt who is so incredibly dorky and depressed and negative, and Greg who is just like stupidly optimistic and also a literal child. And Beatrice is just 
the neutral middle ground who's going, seriously, what is going on with you two? Like, why can't you just be functioning normal people? <laughs> yeah. And that's essentially her function in the show. It's just be like, seriously? Stop I think, it. I think it all, <laughs> it's also telling that she spends more time picking on Wirt. Eventually, she's kind of like, well, that's Greg. Why are you sad, Wirt? I can't fix mm-hmm. Greg. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really funny. And so she's kind of like their little bluebird companion. Yeah. But she also kind of hates them. So I don't think she, she hates grows... them. I, I well, think in the beginning, like, she does yeah, not like them. She's she's begrudgingly along with them for her own motives, mm-hmm. which I guess since we already dropped a spoiler warning, we could talk about now. Beatrice it's it's never it's never stated exactly what she did to piss off Adelaide, but it's implied that she pissed off Adelaide and Beatrice and her whole family were turned into bluebirds. And Adelaide required Beatrice to bring her two children so that Adelaide could take care of them because Adelaide had claimed that she wanted to take care of of two like sweet lost children. So she was initially bringing Wirt and Greg to Adelaide just for the sole purpose of, like, dumping them there and them mm-hmm. being trapped there. Um, and she finds out later that Adelaide didn't have good intentions and wanted two little boy servants to, like, do her bidding. And then she helps them escape. But mm-hmm. she was going to turn them into Adelaide instead of bringing them home in order to turn her family back into humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she becomes friends with them and doesn't want to do that anymore. And she has a full change of heart and ends up helping save them mm-hmm. at the end of it all, which is great. She's very funny. Uh, next, I have the woodsman. Yes. The woodsman is a His... pretty in- important character as weird as he is mm-hmm. he's, he's played like this... by doc brown yeah so he kind of has that kooky voice that we associate why am i blanking on the the actor's name christopher lloyd mm-hmm. uh, christopher lloyd just has that kind of like crazy presence and that really reflects in the character like the woodsman is is from the minute he shows up you're like there's something off about this guy and Wirt and Greg and Beatrice all sense it too. He just has that kind of, you know, off presence. Um, and it doesn't help that he's like in the dark in the woods with a lantern chopping down trees, which is just kind of a creepy vibe to begin with. And he wears like a big black trench coat and a black top hat. And his whole shtick is that he has to cut down a tree called the Adelwood tree in order to fuel a lantern that was given him by given to him by like the main antagonist of the series uh the, the beast. Anta- yeah the beast the the beast claims that the lantern holds his daughter's soul and in order to keep his daughter's soul alive he needs to fuel it with oil from the adelwood trees which turns out to be a ma- a mass deception in the end but yeah, so he's kind of like this creepy old man living alone in the forest, cutting down trees just to keep a lantern lit, which is just a weird vibe. Yeah, and it, uh, again, please watch this before you keep going, because it just, it's such a, such a great fulfilling moment when you get to the last episode, but you mm-hmm. learn that it's even more creepy and morbid because those Adelwood trees are made from people who've died yeah, it's it's in the forest of the of the forest that the the beast who was the last character I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, the beast is like this silhouetted figure that's like vaguely humanoid, but has like massive antlers coming out of the top of its head. Selection. I don't know what that means. You said that when we were watching it, and I, 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 I like, I was like, haha, yeah, and I'm. <laughs> I have no it's, idea a, it's a it's a creature in the witcher and as soon as i saw the sh- the the silhouette i was like oh, that's just a lechen <laughs> okay i'll look that up later sorry nerd moment um, yeah so the beast the beast whole goal 
is to lure people into the forest, get them to give up hope and or make deals with him so that he can entrap their souls in the forest in the Adelwood trees and then compel the woodsmen or it's kind of implied anyone else who carries that position, who's carrying the lantern to cut down the trees in order to fuel the lantern, which is revealed to be the source of the beast's energy at the in the last episode so this is all explained in like two minutes by the way yeah but i think i think it's i think it's a good reveal because it doesn't dwell on it because at the end of the day oh yeah definitely it's not the most important aspect of the journey because it's not greg and wirt who have to deal with that it's the woodsman um so it kind of adds context to everything that's been going on yeah but yeah, the woodman has basically been entrapped by the beast. He's been tricked. He's been told that his daughter's soul, lost soul, is trapped in this lantern and has been tricked into cutting down other lost souls to fuel it, which is the beast. The lantern is the beast. But I think one of my favorite shots in the show is when the lantern kind of swings around in the last episode and we get like a split second of what the beast looks like. I don't know if you caught that when we were watching it, no. Uh, but it's basically the silhouette has like these big glowing eyes and the antlers. And when you see him lit up, um, there's no features that make it look more human than that. He still has the big glowing eyes and the lantern and all, all of the silhouette is just a solid shape covered in mouths. Oh yeah. At least I'm pretty sure that's what it is. That's wild. One of my favorite <laughs> moments in the show, and again, I'm going to just keep saying, please watch it, because it's just so fulfilling when you get to the end, is uh, <laughs> is the woodsman, uh, he, he, Greg is dying, and uh-huh. he's turning into a tree, and the woodsman is like, I can't cut down this kid, and Wirt finds them, and the beast looks at him, and he's like, I'll make a deal with you, you can, you know your brother's soul will go into this lamp and you can take the woodsman's place and keep the lantern lit and that will keep your brother alive. And Greg takes it and it's like, oh, this heartbreaking moment of he's going to go on this like journey to save his brother. And he just goes, wait, that's dumb. Yeah, you went, this is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and the beast is like, what? And he's like, that's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. No. <laughs> Which is just so funny. Because, again, that's, like, only thing that, like, a kid would do. Be like, no. No, what? <laughs> yeah, like, this is stupid. And Which he just I, goes... I guess it's, it's, it's Wirt's cynicism kind of, yeah. like, coming to a good end. Where he's like, this, like, why would I do this? Like, I'm not going to be entrapped the same way you clearly entrapped the woodsman. Like, Wirt, yeah. Wirt, as much as he's a drama queen, is a very smart kid. Yeah, and I really like it because then he goes and they're going to get Greg out of the tree that's starting to get him. And he starts coughing up a, a bunch of leaves and they're like, <laughs> oh, no, oh, no, he's already turning in the tree. He's like, were, Beatrice like, was like, the leaves are the leaves are already growing inside of him. And Greg and just Greg's goes, like, no, no, I just ate a bunch I of leaves. I just ate a bunch of leaves. <laughs> <laughs> I love it's Greg. Really good. Do you have any theory? I mean, this show is all about theories and broad concepts. So, do you have any that you really like or that you subscribe to? My theory, um, and I haven't, I haven't really looked into it a lot, but I've watched the show three times, maybe four, so oh, I've come up crap. with my own. I, I just love it. So I, I've every year since I've seen okay. it, I've watched it at least once. Um, my theory, and I'm sure that there are people on the internet who agree with me. Because uh, it's a, not a very complex one, is that I'm going to explain the continuity of the show first before we get into theories. Mm-hmm. Basically, what's happening is, in terms of the timeline of the show, it starts on Halloween, and it's revealed that Wirt, who's wearing his funny pointy hat and cape, and Gregory, who's wearing a teapot on his head, those are costumes. Mm-hmm. Wirt just took the trimming off of a pointy Santa hat and his 
what I assume is like great grandfathers or great great grandfathers, a Union Civil War like shoulder cape that they had for the uniforms and was wearing that as his costume just like threw something together because he thought it looked cool. Whereas Gregory was wearing the teapot on his head because he was an elephant. And it's like the the spout of the teapot is the elephant's nose. Because it's like upside down on his head. It's so cute. It's amazing. And it's revealed that basically Wirt had this crush on this girl. He recorded his feelings for her poetry and some clarinet playing on a tape and was going to give it to her but then decides not to because he hears that Jason Thunderburger, his rival, who's just like an absolute complete dork, is going to ask her out. So he, he like gives up. But Greg takes a, takes a tape from him and gives it to Sarah's friends. And Sarah ends up finding it in like her jacket because I think the, the friends put it in her jacket. And they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're in the graveyard, and the police come and, like, jokingly are like, you're under arrest. So they all start running, even though the ple- the cop, who's also one of my favorite characters in the show, um, <laughs> he keeps going like, hey, is this a, a some sort of witch's covering? You're all under arrest. Haha, <laughs> just kidding, it's Halloween. <laughs> like, happy, happy Halloween. But so the cop is like chasing them and the cop is like, wait, I was kidding. Like, please don't run into the graveyard. It's dangerous. Like, come back. (laughs) But they're all spooked. So Wirt and Gregory climb a wall and see Jason Thunderburger and Sarah find the tape. Wirt is like, I'm doomed. Nothing is worth it anymore. Let's get out of here. And jumps over the other side of the wall, which happens to be on a railroad track. And there's a train coming and they manage to jump out of the way, but they fall down a very steep hill and fall unconscious into a cold river. And that's when, in terms of the timeline, the first episode starts and they're in the unknown. They're suddenly transported to this strange world of eerie wonder and the beast. And my theory is that the beyond, as it's called, is either purgatory and or heaven and hell and that depending on whether or not the beast catches you like the beast is like a satan figure so it's kind of like a limbo where like the people who are there are stuck there and if you wander in the forest you become a lost soul never to return you know and that the Mm -hmm. beast is trying to lure people to their deaths like their permanent demise yeah yeah, I think it's limbo. I don't think it's heaven or hell. But that's just If it is, that's... it's not it's not a very strict Christian interpretation. Yeah, which I'm Christian, so <laughs> I don't see the heaven or hell thing. I think it's more likely limbo or like purgatory. Like the step mm-hmm. the step between life and death. Mhm. Which I mean, yeah. I don't know why I started to speak like I had something to say. I don't. Well, I like it, it... It, it, like, explains all the weird things that are happening, because pretty much everything that happens in this so- show is just completely disconnected and surreal until the last couple of episodes where pieces start to get put together, and you realize that what you're watching is, like, the souls of two kids struggling against drowning. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it becomes, like, really morbid really fast. yeah is that all you wanted to say about that i just think it's a really cool concept i think it's presented really creatively oh Um, definitely and i think i i like the idea that for the first like half of the show you're kind of like oh it's just these kids in this fantasy land on like wacky adventures because you know there's like like the bad guy the beast is like looming in the shadows but they keep meeting these like charismatic people that are trying to help them out but end up never actually helping and it's just kind of goofy and then it kind of like once you start to see the reality of the world there and it gets really dark <laughs> yeah this show is scary um i don't know if i'd say scary as much as i'd say just like existentially dreadful no some of the things are just scary I can see some of it. Like, um, <laughs> like what's her name? Auntie Whispers. Um, She's scary. I think her fake niece is more scary. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all kind of scary and creepy. I'm going to talk about Auntie Whispers now because I love Auntie Whispers. Okay. Talk about Auntie Whispers. Auntie Whispers is voiced by Tim Curry. 
and he brings this like silky smooth deep voice to this character that just makes it creepy as hell and he whispers is like this massive bulbous woman who like towers over the children like is she's huge her head is like the size of Wirt's entire body but she's like round it's not like she's tall she's just massive you know what i mean mm-hmm. and she's like flat in this this like dark gray cloak like this charcoal black cloak with i i don't know what to call those hats they're like pilgrim bonnets yeah think like handmaiden's tail like white hat for women you know like like yeah like 17 yes like 1700s you know protestant <laughs> like pilgrims. Hey, you're going overboard we already um, discussed they're like pilgrims so she's wearing one of those and she has this a big bulbous nose and these huge like oval eyes and a massive mouth that's missing a lot of teeth and she just talks in this like incredibly calm just eerie voice provided by tim curry who did a phenomenal job and she has she's taking care over a child named Lorna. Lorna. Lorna, yeah. Who Wirt and Greg want to help because they think Auntie Whispers is keeping her there like as like a child slave, like Adelaide. But it's revealed that Auntie Whispers is actually like protecting the outside world because La- uh, Lorna has this like demon spirit inside of her. <laughs> And as they're helping Lorna to escape, Auntie Whispers is like, come back right now or you will be, like, devoured alive. You cannot trust Lorna. And they're like, what the hell is she talking about? And then Lorna, as, like, this evil spirit appears behind them with, like, claws and, like, jagged teeth and says more bones to sort, which is an incredibly ominous phrase. It's one of my favorite episodes, and I think Auntie Whispers is great, because it's like, the perception of her from the beginning, as soon as you see her, you're like, oh my god, this woman eats children. (laughs) Um, Mostly because she's so freaking huge. Yeah, it's revealed that she's actually very sweet and caring, and just has, like, the kid's best interests at heart. Yeah, and when they save Lorna, Lorna chooses to stay with Auntie Whispers. Yeah, because Auntie Whispers gets very sad and starts crying because she's like, you don't need me anymore. It's it's a touching scene. And I, I just love that episode. And I, I love Tim Curry's voice as Auntie Whispers. And I love the name Auntie Whispers, and I love the character design. I think it's my favorite, like, the best designed character of the show is Auntie Whispers. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the best episode of the show. It has nothing to do with the existentialism of the whole thing, but it's the best episode. It's called School Town Follies. <laughs> That's a good one. And this episode is a fever dream. It contains two of the best songs. Yeah. And I, hands down. Spark notes. Uh, Greg wanders off and finds a school for animals that is run by a woman named Mrs. Langtree, who is been abandoned by her love and is running a school to teach animals and they're not like magic animals like Beatrice who can speak like they're just regular animals that she dresses up in clothes and teaches math and spelling and she's crying all the time because her fiance left her and her dad is gonna shut down her school for animals and there's a gorilla on the loose and there's a gorilla on the loose which you'd think would be unrelated but it's not (laughs) And so Wirt and Greg and Beatrice get sucked into this school and her dad, uh, let's, let's go piece by piece. So first she sings a song. Miss Langtree's Lament, which is brilliant. Let me me pull up some of these lyrics because they're wild. It's about her heartbreak after Jimmy Brown left her. Uh, A is for the apple that he gave to me, but I found a worm inside B is for beloved, I call to him before he left my side, and see what he did, that's D, did to poor old me, how could I be such an emotional fool, G is for the gentleman I thought he was when he first said hi, H-I, 
<laughs> J is for the Joker that is Jimmy B, the man who made me cry. And she's singing this to like animals that aren't literate. Like the animals and they're don't. They're staring at her. <laughs> Which she's singing this song. And then she's like, it's time for lunch. Which then we get the, the second. No, I think this song is better. Which all, is... all the animals are sad because they have potatoes and they're all bland. So Greg <laughs> sees a bottle of molasses on Miss Langtree's piano and goes up to her and goes, Hey, Miss Langtree, play a song like this. And just starts bashing on the like upper register of the piano. <laughs> so she starts to play a more upbeat tune. And we get Potatoes and Molasses, the best song ever written, performed by Greg. Oh, potatoes and molasses. <laughs> if, if you want, want some, come and ask us. It's warm and warm soft and like soft. puppies in socks. <laughs> Filled with cream and, and candy. candy rocks. <laughs> I won't sing the rest, but I will read the rest of the lyrics. Here's the next one. Oh, potatoes and molasses. They're so much sweeter than algebra classes. If your stomach is grumbling and your mouth starts a mumbling, there's only one thing to keep your brain from crumbling. Oh, potatoes and molasses. If you can't see them, put on your glasses. They're shiny and large like a fisherman's barge. You'll know you've eaten enough when you start seeing stars. Oh, potatoes and molasses. It's the only thing left on your task. They're short and stout to make everyone shout for potatoes and molasses. It's the best song in the series. It is. And in a weird, horribly funny, yet awful way, (laughs) when Greg is dying in the tree, (laughs) they play a somber version in a minor key in latin in latin called patatus et molassus (laughs) which is so funny but it's also horrifying when it happens because it's like oh my god no they're playing potatoes and molasses and this eight-year-old is dying oh my god and you can find the latin lyrics it's it's just phenomenal and I, I love uh, one of my other favorite characters in the show is Miss Langtree's father, who right at the end of the song, like <laughs> all, as all the animals are like playing instruments now and having a good time, the father like bursts in and is like, "That's enough! Like I'm not paying for this school so these animals can play music and have fun. It's so that they can take algebra classes and learn how to speak." And, and he like confiscates all the instruments and. He walks in, he like busts in, and he has these like these tiny spectacles that you just can't like see through, so you can't see his eyes, and this massive frown that's just stretched over his entire round face. And he's in this big trench coat that's just completely filled up. Like this guy looks like the chunkiest person you've ever seen. And later, Wirt and Greg like see him in the woods with all the instruments. And he takes the coat off, and he's just a skinny guy under this coat. Like, he's like a twig. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Like, he's like this massive dude, and he takes the coat off, and he's like this frail old man. (laughs) It's very funny. And then it's also funny because he's like, my whole life is down the drain. I've spent all my money on this school i have nothing he's literally sleeping on the ground and he's like i must sell these instruments for food and then they steal all his instruments so he wakes up and he's like where did it all go (laughs) which is sad (laughs) but funny it's a good episode that one was my favorite uh kurt would you like some fun facts i would like some fun facts I think, uh, is... hold on, I think this th- this episode, like, I kind of apologized to everyone listening, because this is such a surreal episode, because it's such a surreal show. Like, there's just nothing really concrete that we could talk about. It really just jumps all over the place. And, uh, you, you just gotta watch it. Please just watch it. Also, before we go into fun facts, oh I thought God. I thought you really would have liked the in episode, where you get the marriage song. The marriage song. 
Yeah, when one dude's singing about we're getting married to Adelaide because they misunderstand. Because he asks for direct. He's like, "How do I get to Adelaide?" And he's like, "It's a girl you're after, eh?" Oh yeah, <laughs> that one was funny. I also like that one as well. That's another good episode. I think every episode is good. Yeah. Also, we should go back. Jumping back. Also, just watch the that gorilla on the loose that we talked about. It was actually Adelaide's or, uh, love, Ms. who Lane was Tree's love. Yeah, not uh, Miss Langtree's love, who got caught trapped in the gorilla suit, and everybody thought he was a real gorilla, so no one would help him out, and that's why he abandoned Miss Langtree. It's just amazing. It's weird. This show feels like what I would imagine it would be to be on drugs. <laughs> also, it would be a crime if I didn't just mention Enoch, the giant pumpkin controlling a town of skeletons wearing pumpkins. That episode was very creepy. I love that episode. Can we move on to fun facts? Yes, we can. Great. Uh, I found a list of every name that Greg calls the frog. <laughs> Would you like to hear them all? Yeah, hit, hit us with it. It starts off with Kitty. Then we go to Wirt. <laughs> Wirt Jr., George Washington, Mr. President, Benjamin Franklin, Dr. Cucumber, Greg Jr., Skipper, Ronald, and Jason Funderburger. <laughs> I, I particularly like the episodes where he calls him George Washington and Mr. President. Yeah, Because it's like something's happening and he's like, Mr. President! <laughs> it's especially funny because on that one, they're on like a boat with a bunch of other frogs. Yep. And Greg is like, Wirt, I think something's wrong. And he's like, why? And he's like, all these other frogs are wearing clothes. And they're in like Victorian era, like era dress. And he's like, George Washington's naked. We have to get him clothes. He's naked. And then, like, someone, like, the police, the frog police come. And he's like, oh, Mr. President, you're naked. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, so those are all the names. Some other fun facts. Uh, the phase of the moon in the show, they animated to match up with the phase of the moon on the night that each episode originally aired. Oh, that's cool. I figured you would like that. That is actually pretty sweet. Yeah. Um... <laughs> This is terrifying. There was an episode that didn't make the final cut of the series. And the plot was, there's a man who makes dice out of the bones of children. <laughs> Amazing. Insane. Um, and finally, my last fact. Inspiration for the general aesthetic of the show was taken from old Halloween postcards Photographs of trees in New England, Gustave Doré illustrations, a color printing technique called chromolithography, and an antique board game called Game of Frog Pond. How do you spell Gustave Doré? Gustave, and then space D-O-R with an accent. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at some of these illustrations and tell you what I think. Oh, these are fucking creepy as hell. Are they? Should I also Google it? Yeah, these are... They're all black and white. Oh. And they... They're either illustrating, like, like great beasts or, like, what looks like biblical scenes. Yeah, biblical scenes are pretty scary. Yeah, there's this one where it's two people <laughs> standing on a mountain with what looks like angels flying around the sun. And that sounds like a really nice-looking description, but it carries this incredibly ominous vibe. I don't know if you I if found you one of a one. cat standing on two legs with a cape, boots, and a cowboy hat, and a belt. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I do Maybe not know what you're talking it. about. Oh, that's, a, that's an illustration of Paradiso. That's what I'm looking at. Interesting. The cat? No. Oh. <laughs> I can't find it. Where'd the cat go? I can't believe you've lost this cat. Oh, I no, see I it. I see it. <laughs> you see it? Yeah, he's dressed like a musketeer. Yeah, I kind of dig it. <laughs> and it seems like he does a lot of uh, work like about the Inferno, which a lot of people think this show is based off of. I could see it. I know. Kurt, do you have anything else that you want to say about Over the Garden Wall? It kicks ass. Like, it does. Watch it. Going into it, like after the first episode, 
I guarantee you, you're going to kind of be like, what the fuck am I watching? Yeah. But once you get into the meat of the show and it all starts making sense, then everything kind of ties together. And then when you go back and rewatch it, you notice things happening that you might not otherwise pick up on. I don't have an example off the top of my head, but like there's definitely it's one of those shows where it's like the more you rewatch it, the more it makes sense. And it's really cool in that way. Yeah, for sure. So you recommend it? A hundred percent. It's I know I've said it a lot, but it's one of my favorite shows. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on a kind of chilly fall night, put it on, watch it. You won't regret it. Yeah, I really like it. A story, a heart-touching story about siblings gets me every time. Like, I told Kurt after we watched it last night, we Hulu partied it, and I was like, I need to go in the shower and cry. Because, like, something about, like, I don't know, I'm an older sibling, and it's just me and my sister. So the last episode hit me pretty hard. I don't know, I think it's a little bit different for Kurt, because he has four siblings. Yeah. And Can he's smack like, dab in the middle. unknown. Yeah, but for me, like, I I really, stories about, like, older siblings feeling that intense need to protect their younger siblings gets me every time. Like, I will sob at the beginning of Frozen every time when Anna and Elsa are kids, and Elsa is, like, trying to protect Anna because she feels like she hurt her and she, like, can't live with herself. That gets me. I relate. So that last episode really got to me. It's good. Watch it. I don't think I like it as much as Kurt. I think there are a couple episodes that uh, I could probably go without seeing again. But like, overall, like which ones? Uh, I don't know. I don't like the first episode as much. That's fair. So we'll see. But like I said, I wouldn't dislike rewatching all of them. But I definitely have strong favorites. But I like it. It's good. I think everybody should watch it at least once. It's super great. Yep, I I agree. Okay, let's wrap this up. Hit us with those shout-outs. Okie dokie. Thank you to Flowers for our intro and outro music. Uh, We use the song Baby Blue, so go ahead and listen to it and check out all their other music, all of their social media information will be in the description you can follow us at babe you gotta see this on instagram and at byGst pod on twitter so keep up with us there and we haven't said this past couple episodes but over the garden wall is on hulu and i believe it's on hbo max as well um but you can watch it on hulu and it's on hulu kids so there are no ads which is awesome So go ahead and check it out. It makes it really easy to binge. Yes. And shall we say what's coming up next? What is coming up next, Olivia? Oh, Kurt. It's happening. What is? Next week is a holiday. Uh, And you know what that holiday is? (laughs) It's Thanksgiving. (laughs) but you know what that means what does that mean that there's my personal holiday known as the day after thanksgiving where kurt stops giving me crap about christmas oh my god so you know what we're watching next week what are we watching next week a christmas prince okay (laughs) (laughs) i can hear the joy seeping out of your voice yep just I will echoing throughout the world. The Christmas Prince <clears throat> bridges my two loves, which is Christmas and horrible movies, just garbage films. And I'm excited. I don't think Kurt's ever seen a Christmas Prince. Uh, I've seen part of it. You've seen part of it. I'm pretty sure. But you're not fully immersed in the Christmas Prince universe. I've seen all three. I love all three. I'm only going to make Kurt watch the first one. But that means that we're going to have Christmas movies pretty much. Yeah, we only have four more episodes this year. And they're all 
if you're talking to Kurt, they're all going to be Christmas movies. If you're asking <laughs> me, then only three of the four are Christmas movies, but... We'll get into that when we get into it. We'll get into that when we get into that. So stay tuned. Christmas is coming on the... Maybe you got to see this podcast. I like how but... it's it's not even Thanksgiving yet, and you're like, stay tuned, Christmas is coming. I, I've already watched about six Christmas movies on the Hallmark Channel. I cannot... I don't understand it. There are so many Hallmark movies, I have to start early if I want to get through a decent chunk. They run it nonstop. It. Christmas music is already playing on 93.9. It's here. It's it's arrived. But we'll get to that later. You still have this week, Kurt, to enjoy. I am personally looking forward to just getting completely blasted on Thanksgiving and eating some turkey and mashed, pota- mashed potatoes. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be great, too. See, I'm of the mindset Christmas starts in November, and then you get to take a brief day or two break to do Thanksgiving, and then we jump right back into that Christmas mode. Oh, my God. Okay, can we at least admit that this year we could use a little bit of joy, holly jolly joy and cheer early? The the only holiday for me that exists more than the day in advance is Halloween. Because I love Halloween so much, I that's the only holiday that I get excited, like really excited for. And then everything else, it's like the day before. I'm like, oh yeah, that's tomorrow. Not Arbor Day. <laughs> oh, who could forget about Arbor Day? I don't even know what Arbor Day is. I don't. I don't remember. Do you know when re- Earth? Do you know what day Earth Day is? Your birthday. Yeah. Me and the Earth, same day. <laughs> Born the same day, same year too. <laughs> Yep, I am the Earth. <laughs> we need to end this. <laughs> this has been Faith. You gotta see this. I've been Liv, and I'm Kurt. Bye. See ya. Bye.